This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Yes? Ho, ho, ha, ha! Remember me, old son? Jolly Welcome to the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast, first and only Facebook Live talk show. We call it THN, cover to cover. As far as we know. For Saturday, February 9th. Here's how it works. Every Saturday from 1130 to 1230 Central Standard Time, Joey and I are talking all things comics, and we're doing it with you nerds live. You can call us at 402-819-4894 or... Click our Facebook Call Now button if you want to get in on the action. And if you can't call in live, or maybe you're calling in live and you can't get through, leave us a message. And we're going to play it on the show. Or you can send an MP3 to it. Are you trying to break the internet, dude? That's a terrible idea. Is it creating like an infinity effect? Yes. Wow. Yeah. You just like send everybody watching back to the Old West. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. I've been transferred to Viking times. Or you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerdgmail.com. But that was a Kung Fury reference. Nobody got it. But before we get started, Joey, baby, set us up with a very romantic question of the week. Hey, BS3. Hey, JD, got a catch. Uh, this week's question comes from our good friend Chase Magnet, who helps us with the show every single week. He's the unsung hero of Two Headed Nerd. Uh, but we he, can't tell you what he does or Don't why. be weird about it. What a weirdo. <laughs> uh, Chase, I'll never squeal. <laughs> I, ain't no, I ain't no narc. Uh, Chase wants to know what superhero comic you would like to see added to high school English curriculum. So not blankets. Right. Not Habibi. Yeah, like somebody chimed in. Superhero. Somebody chimed in on the Facebook fan page with a non-superhero book. Whatever, I get it. But the question is specifically superhero comics. And we kicked them out of the fan group, too. Who yeah, sorry, Carl. You're booted. Get out of here with that crap. You're booted. <laughs> so I'm turning. Oh, woo. Not that I'm not. I got to go here. There we go. Now I'm going to turn on the phone lines. Also, I want to talk about it's we're the week before Valentine's Day. We're feeling all lovey-dovey. Let's talk about our favorite comic book couples, our comic book dates, comic book spats, marriages, whatever you want. Let's talk about couples in comics. Yeah. I want to hear it. Uh, Jim wants you to know that uh, Kenny Omega is going to go to CTV2 this year. I don't think that's true. I think he's saying that because he's trying to make me go. No, I, saw, I, I think I go. saw the announcement. I want to go really bad. I do, but I have to go to a different thing in March, so I don't think I can do both. Whatever. The phone line is open. Let's talk. Let's rap. I want to hear from you guys while I'm waiting for you to call. I'm going to look for some starred messages. We have one. In our Gmail list. We have one it's that a came voice. in from today. From today. It is from BS3. Hey, all right. Let's have a look here. Usually they bail our butts out later, so we're really going to have to get in. Yeah, no, we, we didn't skip any weeks this last I week. Know, week so. I know. You guys are skipping, though. I can't have that. Yeah. Crap. Nerds, this is BS3. BS4 is in the car. I was just thinking about the question of the week and how uh, it would be ideal to hear from Danny from Iowa because is he in high school or just finished high school? He's about there, right? Uh, just checking. Anyways, I remember reading Mouse in uh, junior high, and Mouse was really pushed Not a superhero book, my dude. When, when I was uh, coming of age. I wonder if that's still the case now. Uh, for those of you who are looking for a literary translation, uh, Paul Auster 
wrote a book called City of Glass, which is just an incredible piece of writing. Uh, and somebody uh, transformed it into a graphic novel. Highly recommended. And I, I think it's a good way of, of showing people how uh, experimental and creative comics can be while also appreciating the original uh, literary medium. So Paul Oster, City of Glass, the illustrated version. Uh, that's it for me. Adios. And I hope Anthony from Brooklyn is calling in. But- I think that guy's dead. I think he is dead, too. I think uh, Danny grew up and died, too. Look, I don't want to live in a world where Danny is old enough to have graduated high school. I think he's long gone, dude. <laughs> because like Danny's got a real life. He's like, two headed what? I'm too cool for that now. And then he drives away in his Corvette. Yeah, because, all right, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> I think Danny, I don't think, I don't think Danny had yet hit high school when I quit Legend. And that was in 2015. I don't know. So I'm going to say he's still in high school. I'm picturing him, like, blonde hair, sweater. He does have blonde hair. Sleeves tied in a little knot over his Izod shirt, and he's like cruising around in his Corvette. <laughs> his Izod shirt. Hot babe on his side. And he's like, yeah, uh, he's like Ken. He's like yeah, Barbie's right. Ken Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. He's a good-looking kid. Uh, BS4, I love you. That is not the answer we were looking for. Okay? I appreciate it. You're smart. You read real books. We're talking about superhero stuff, dude. Come on. It's all right. Look, I mean, I'll, I get it. Mouse, and I'm I think I'm certain that Mouse is taught on like at like oh absolutely college campuses, and Mouse still totally holds up. My friend Mary actually is a well, she's a high school teacher, and she taught Mouse, and she wanted to do Watchmen, but uh, I think there was a little too. I can't remember why she said she didn't do it. She said it was a little too weird for the curriculum. Too many dicks. Yeah, I think there was too many big blue dicks. That was the issue. <laughs> I mean, it must be, right? <laughs> the phone line is open, 402-819-4894. We need to hear from you. Now, on our regular show, we talked about some of the best couples. You hear that on Wednesday, our top five yeah. favorite combo couples. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about some terrible couples Okay, for a little bit? <laughs> All right, yeah. Now, everybody kind of got upset when Thor started dating She-Hulk. Uh, I think it's kind of fun. I don't like it. I think it's kind of fun. I don't like, like it. Look, it's not going to be an enduring romance for the ages. But he also okay, waited but... until She-Hulk inflated into like this giant man ape thing, right? Yeah, with long hair, you know. And it's not like I'm not like. Well, it kind of looks like they're gay. I'm not saying that or anything. I'm just saying. Then why'd you even bring it up? Because she looks like a beast. <laughs> she looks like a monster. He's got a type. Thor does not have a type for monsters. Look, Thor will fuck me, anything that you moves. You tell me Jane was a monster or Sif was a monster? No. They're gorgeous. But look, Sif could have broken his neck. You know it. Nah, they're both. They, I mean, they can tussle. But yeah. I, don't think, I don't think she can, like, kill Thor. No. Hey. I don't like the She-Hulk Thor thing. I think it's dumb. I think it's fun. I, I, I really liked their the date issue where it was like so terrible. He took her to medieval times. Yeah. He took her to medieval no, times. I mean, that was cute. And she was as Jessica Walters right. the whole time. And she was like, you want the Hulk, don't you? You don't want me. You want the Hulk. Yeah. And they had this nice moment where Thor like explains his feelings toward her. And it was really nice. And then they end up having total crazy monster sex. In the bowels of a dead celestial, which is gross. Which is where you do it. Yeah. Like when we were kids, we used to sneak off to the woods. Superheroes sneak off to a dead celestial's butt. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I never cared for that one. Your turn. Uh, Man, terrible comic book couples. This is going to continue until one of you jerks call us, by the way. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. You know what? Everyone thinks that Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy were like this, like... Time honored, yeah. star crossed. Bullshit. The only reason Bullshit. anybody cares about Gwen Stacy is because she died. When she was alive, like nobody gave a shit 
about Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. Yeah. She is not the enduring love of his yeah, life. It was not a thing. I mean, now the only reason she's a thing is because he feels guilty because she died. Right. She became this icon when she died. Right. Not while she was alive. No, before that. And I'm not saying that their coupling was bad, but I'm tired of hearing about Gwen Stacy. Oh, Gwen yeah, Stacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bullshit. No, the love of Peter's life is Mary Jane Watson, period. Yeah. You know a couple I actually really like that's not really a couple? What's that? But there was always sort of like a thing. Oh. Submariner and Seuss and Seuss. Oh, hey. I love that Submariner was like just like into blonde babes. Like that's his thing. Like Emma from the X-Men came out. Yeah, yeah, Emma. And the Submariner was like, whoa, hello. (laughs) My lady. (laughs) But he was always like, hey, whenever you're done with stretchy McNerdyton over there. You call it call the king of the sea, and I'll take care of this. Speaking of love, hello, wife. All right, all right, all right. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Live from the Marble Lake House. JD got a catch. Oh, oh thank right. God, JD. I was afraid we're not getting any calls today. <laughs> you know, it's funny. This this week, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch live. And I'm going to hold off and try to join the conversation later. Okay, you're not allowed and to I'm do that. There, and I'm like. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you want to rap about today, buddy? Well, uh, I want to talk about Daredevil. Okay. All right. So it's, you know, mid-August. It's kind of balmy here. And I was finishing up the last issue of Weapon or the Hunt for Wolverine Weapon Loss. Oh. Okay. And, and I'll be honest with you. It was the best Daredevil story I'd read in a while. Um, is, that the, about, is that the one where he assembled I, like the team of investigators? Yeah, and he had like the yeah, inhuman yeah. cop was, like, with the cipher. Yeah, 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 yeah. What I did was midway through, I decided to pretend they weren't looking for Wolverine. Okay, that's fair. Well, the good news is and they don't he, find him. So right, right, right. <laughs> they did, and 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 so, but I mean, I was just like that team and them doing an investigation, and there's really nothing in it that really. I mean, you can pretty much erase Wolverine from the story, and it doesn't change a whole lot. Yeah, you know, okay. X Y Z character. And to be perfectly but, fair I to that like, series, it was not poorly written. They just didn't no. find Wolverine, and it felt no. like stupid filler to me. And I just didn't. Yeah, no it. that that whole event. Like, I I appreciate oh. the fact that they did stumble upon some fun stories, but the whole right. idea of having four separate miniseries, which, by the way, six months later. Still haven't totally found Wolverine. <laughs> well, apparently we're well, figuring that all out this week in the Infinity Watch thing. Yeah, right. Well, and the thing, and the thing about that is, is, I'm sorry, but they lost they lost all probability and plausibility when you tr- they tried to convince me that Daredevil was Kitty Pryde's first pick to put together an investigatory investigatory team. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing, like, that really? whole, all That's those miniseries. They the, just felt everyone like, knows that Daredevil is the Marvel Universe's greatest detective. Right. <laughs> they just felt like there was an editor running down the hallway going, change your plans, guys. Okay, Wolverine is in the Infinity Watch, whatever. Write a story about how he's missing. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk more later. And then he never came back. <laughs> so, <laughs> and never so told them anything up, else. Yeah, so I finished up that book, and I was like, I was just kind of despondent that and all this, you know, in the past year, my favorite Daredevil story is still a piece of shit, but it's just better <laughs> than what we've had. Yeah. So yeah. I said, so I said, all right, I hear there's a new Daredevil book coming out in real time. So 
I'd push forward. It's fucking cold, you guys. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, it's and awful, right? Polar vortex, new, Jeff. It's bad news. New, yeah, and I read the new Chip, Chip Zdarsky book that you guys great. reviewed on the regular show. It's totally great. Oh, it's fantastic. And oh, man. Marcus Chichetto. Holy oh, Yeah, Marco Chichetto. Mm-hmm. That dude, I I'm not even sure really how awesome. he keeps improving. I don't even know how. Because every time I see him, I'm like, wow, he's at the top of his game. No, he's not. Now he is. Uh-uh. Now he is. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I was just, I'm, I'm loving what he's doing with the new costume or with the minor tweaks to the costume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taking things from the black costume that I liked and keeping them and getting rid of the rest of the crap, like the hand wraps and Okay, and yeah, here's here's how good the new costume is, and and it's sad because it's also like a litmus test of how fucking terrible the internet is. But I don't think anybody freaked out. Yeah. I don't think anyone threatened to kill anyone or threw out some <laughs> racial yeah. slurs. I think it's close or, enough to or the old costume. Jokes about the costume. Right, like yeah. I, I really didn't hear any bad. I don't want to fuck that yeah. daredevil. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's funny because Zdarsky is doing for Zdarsky and Chichetto are doing for Daredevil what I think they need to do for the X Men, which is, and I was going to say this when you asked a while back, what is what's it going to take to save the X Men? I feel like we need another Whedon Cassidy. Something sure. along those yeah, lines, like yeah. A, where we can just strip I mean, it down and go, look, we're not paying attention to this crap. Yeah, just, we just, just can't. Yeah. Just slam the reset button. Yeah. Just slam it. And I think that's... And just scale it way back. Was that the reset button? Is that what you just hit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, uh, definitely. I think at this point you have to. And I think this latest X... We just reviewed, like, the we talked about the first 10 issues. Yeah. I think that is them trying to pay attention to everything. And it's just not working. I will say this, though. Though it has taken them 10 issues to get here... Uh, the X-Men annual that explained how Cyclops came back from the dead. It was dead. really good. And Uncanny X-Men 11 that came out this week. Also really good. Excellent. They were excellent. Okay, no pun intended. Let's watch the X's. Come on. No, it was an <laughs> EX. EX. EX excellent. X. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, right. Uh, and so I like, why did it take us so long to get to this point? I just don't get it. I think they finally mellowed out and it's no longer the three-headed writing team. Yeah, it's now. one writer, Matthew Rosenberg. Right, and Rosenberg is good. He really is a good writer. I'm not going to say he's like one of my favorite, but he's written a lot of stuff I really like. Yeah. And now they've mellowed out into that and they're letting them tell their stories. I have a feeling the book is going to be much better. And I just, uh, I, I mean, so. slight slight spoilers for this week's Uncanny X-Men. I just love the idea, finally, after, no joke, I read this online and I was stunned. Almost a decade. Cyclops and Wolverine are back together as X-Men right. for the first time in almost 10 years. Yeah, that's just stupid. That's wow. crazy, it's right? Stupid. Yeah. And I know we rail about how, like, well, you guys always get pissed and they change anything. If you had it your way, nothing would ever change. That's not true. 10 goddamn years. Yeah, I mean, and it's, not, it's not that they haven't been X-Men. It's that, like, Cyclops has been slowly becoming this crazy yeah. terrorist version and Wolverine was off doing his own thing with the, his own group of X-Men. In space with an infinity stone. Yeah, that, that's different. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> you know, the Wolverine old patch and his infinity stone. Yeah. Uh, and it just, I'm, I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm excited, but after the last couple of installments, it, I'm cautiously it, optimistic it that we felt, might be going in a good direction. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah. I'll say that. So they can still fuck it see. up. But for now I felt good. But I, but that, but going back to the daredevil, it's like, holy shit, mm-hmm. man, 
that comic was so good. Yeah. Daredevil number one was amazing. And it was just a nice reset, oh, like yeah. you said. Just and nice I, I agree. It would be nice, you know, if we had this group, uh, this this uh, team of like auteurs or whatever, like a Whedon and Cassidy or whatever, to come in and say, all right, it's X-Men time. Right. right and I don't right, know if Chip yeah. Zdarsky is that guy, but. He hasn't proven himself to be that guy yet, but he is getting very good. He's definitely getting mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. I would yeah, argue. <laughs> If, if Zdarsky hadn't done what he did with Daredevil, I was just the only other author I thought could take on Daredevil and do a good reset and make it good again was I would actually love to see a Kelly Sudeconic Daredevil. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I'd sure. definitely be okay with that. You know, or I don't know, maybe we could go for a Jerry Duggan Daredevil. That would be great. Because why you keep, yeah. why you keep j- dragging poor Jerry because Duggan Chip through Zdarsky the mud? Because Chip Zdarsky did the Tom Hanks and like did his Philadelphia yeah. and has moved into dramatic. And Jerry Duggan can't hang. <laughs> like go it's back, true. go back to being funny, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. you were good at that. <laughs> you know, like you were really good at that. <laughs> it's like uh, if Wayne Gretzky decided, like right before he won his second Stanley Cup, he's like, you know what? Baseball. No, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Because that actually happened. No, I, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan did. <laughs> now, that said, Michael Jordan wasn't a terrible baseball player. He was just an average baseball player. Mm. And to make a jump like that and be average, I mean, just to go to any professional sport he was no, and be average. He was no Bo Jackson. He was no Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was a freak amongst men. Yeah. All right. I, heard, I, heard, I heard Jordan was also a pretty good golfer, too. He's a scratch golfer. Yeah, Jordan's an insanely talented scratch golfer. Also has a horrible betting, like gambling addiction. <laughs> That's another story. Next time on Michael Jordan Cast. All right, all right. We gotta, we gotta open up this phone line. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I'm gonna go back to where it's warm back in August. I understand. Uh, so hey, listen. I'm gonna work on enjoy- trying to get some more content for the site. Oh yeah, great. I'm also gonna. I'm thinking about doing a, an audio thing too. Oh, oh wonderful! Wow. Yeah, hey, do it. We'll post it. Enjoy it while it lasts, sucker. Because in a few months, it's gonna be November where That's you right. are. That's right. Fair <laughs> point. Fair All point. right, we'll talk to you soon, JD. Thank you for your call. See you, buddy. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. But yeah, Jerry Duggan and Chip Zdarsky seem to be on a very similar sort of line, where I, they were both writing sort of funny books. I, I mean, have, obviously, Chip well, was an artist first. A Chip Chip was a writer and an artist. He he got his start doing prison funnies, yeah. which he wrote Andrew. Uh, so he's always been a talented cartoonist, right? Um, and then uh, the his I think his I think it's fair to say his first like big comic work was Sex Criminals. Mm-hmm. Though he's done other comic work, I'm sure. Um, I think that's where he kind of became. Oh, yeah. Chip Zdarsky is a, is a name, yeah. Um, but to see him develop as a writer has been really special. I think that he's really come a long way. He really has, yeah. Um, and, and I don't I, know if they I, just like, moved Jerry Duggan too fast. And I'm not talking shit about the guy. I like Jerry Duggan. He's written a lot of comics Well, he like. co-wrote Deadpool for a number of years yeah. with Brian Posehn. And it was very funny. And that book was good. Um, but I'll be damned if I can name another book by Jerry Duggan other than Infinity Wars that was not actually written by Dennis Hopeless. Because <laughs> my mind confuses the oh, two. Oh, oh, oh. Dennis Hopeless wrote Avengers Arena. Right. Dennis uh, Hopeless Avengers is very Underground. talented. I like Dennis Hopeless a lot. He is not Jerry Duggan. No. What else has Jerry Duggan done on his own? The, didn't Jerry Duggan, wasn't he the one that came from the Stephen Colbert show? Wasn't he one of the writers on that? No. No? Am I confusing him? I don't think so. I think he, I think he had something to do with the Stephen Colbert show. I need someone to Google that for me because I've got too much stuff going on my computer. I got a so. phone. I got a phone. Not you. Not here. you. You need to pay attention, okay? Because I'm paying attention. Right now, we're floating the show with no callers. Ha! Thank God. Good God. 
Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, you appear to be from not America. Who this? Uh, guys, it's Jimmy. Jimmy! It's Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, are you working like the night shift now? Or did you turn into... You're not a vampire now, are you? You didn't turn into a vampire. Um, no, man. I'm from Australia. I'm a reverse vampire. Okay, okay. Gotcha. That's right. <laughs> no, I, to be honest with you, I just woke up to uh, do wee-wees. Oh, oh, oh nice, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting us join you in your wee-wees. Uh, what do you want to rap about? <laughs> uh... Look, real, I'm just going to be real quick before I go back to sleep. I'm going to answer the question of the week. Hit us. I'm pretty sure it's the same answer as Joe. Uh, Starman. It is my answer, yes. James Robinson Starman, yeah. So, look, I will let Joe talk all about how amazing it is because I'm sure he could articulate it much better than me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, that is absolutely my answer. Jimmy, we uh, love you. Don't let those reverse vampires mess with you. Get some sleep, brother. I appreciate yeah, you calling. I'll, uh, I'll uh, when you listen to the when you listen to the show when you're awake, you, I'll have a much more detailed explanation of why I think Starman should be taught in schools. All right, there we go, Jimmy Randall. I look forward to it. Go back to bed, will you? Okay. We love you, buddy. I am. Wait. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Jimmy. Live from Australia, James Randall. We love that guy. Uh, Jerry Duggan was a writer and producer on Attack of the Show okay. for the G4 Network. All right. Uh, his comics career began at Image, writing and co-creating the series The Last Christmas with Brian Posehn and Rick Remender. Uh, Thomas Branch just just did this. Duggan wrote, produced, and oh, hey, was great. on staff. Thank you, Thomas. Attack of the Show. Thank you, Thomas Branch. Look at that. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, we make these monkeys Google for us. We don't need to do it ourselves. So there, w- there was a guy that... That did write for uh, The Daily Show. His name is Elliot Kalin. Uh, he did some, uh, I think he did a miniseries called Spider-Man and the X-Men, if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, uh, but he is one of the co-hosts of the Flophouse uh, movie podcast, which is an excellent bad movie podcast. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The Flophouse. Well, how did this get made? That's the only one that I really listened to. There are, believe it or not, there are many movie oh, podcasts. Oh, I know. I'm sure. Internet. I'm sure. But there's only one comic book podcast. Yeah, this one. This one. Yeah. That's right, suckers. 402-819-4894. We are talking your favorite comic couples, your least favorite comic couples. Speaking of which, some of the worst comic couples. Never mind. We got a call coming in. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who dis? Harvey Locust. Harv. Hey, hey. You sound bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, bro. What's going on here, hey, man? Jim, I only drank beer for you guys last night. I'm <laughs> drinking coffee right now. Goddamn sweet of you, Harv. What do you want to rap about today? <laughs> um, I was going to answer the question of the week, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. Even though I'm just kind of spitballing here. But Whedon's run on Astonishing X-Men, um, I think, is, is, a, is a, a fun class on buildup of suspense. Okay. Mm. So you're saying like teaching from a writing point of view, perhaps. Yes. Okay. I'll buy that. As far well, as English class. And we also just discussed though, as far as a reset and taking characters out of a very busy, ridiculous timeline, stripping them down to their very basics and putting them in a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. That works. You know, definitely. I'll buy that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think there's a and, lot to be gleaned from Astonishing X-Men. Okay, where do you come down? That, that whole Go ahead. I that. mean, I don't want to spoil it for, for I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it. So if you haven't read it, it's spoiler like alert. 15 years uh, old. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. When, it's fine. 
when when Kitty finally gets into what they think is a weapon and discovers that it's actually just a bullet. Yeah. That they shot at Earth and yeah. and that the only way she can save everybody is muster up enough strength because for some reason something happens that wipes out every superhero on earth. They're just all in a daze. They all think they're saving the day, but they're actually just standing there drooling. Oh yeah. There's something mental going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so she has to muster up the strength to phase a planet sized bullet. And then after that, she's just gone. And that's what the next, title uh, you know that's how they end the title is just gone yeah and it was great but yeah, like afterwards why couldn't she phase out of it why couldn't she leave there was something about the <laughs> uh the composition of the bullet the metals the oh, alien that's metals right. that's like right. she, yeah. once she phased into it she couldn't get herself out and she just like kept shooting towards yeah. like the center hope of there are the no Milky other Way. planets out there because <laughs> she can't see or hear anything <laughs> well, that's true yeah and i never you know i never even read past that or anything i just read the you know i just got the trade for the weed and run and then after that i didn't even care but you know that it, it, it's nice to be able to have a small concise book and yeah you know just it's 24 drop off whenever you 24 like issues it. 25 issues so where do you come down on peter and kitty as, as a couple it's almost valentine's day we're talking comic couples where do you come down on it is it gross that she was a little kid when they met and maybe they kissed yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm I I am Team Wisdom and Pride, baby. Oh yeah, oh Pete of Wisdom? course, this Excalibur jabroni over here. I did like yeah. Pete Wisdom a lot. I like I liked Pete hot Wisdom and Kitty Pride together too. Maybe. It was great. Back at a time where everybody had hot knives. Hot knives. Yeah. <laughs> like if Chris Claremont was writing you, you had hot knives, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Warren Ellis is responsible right, for Pete Wisdom. Uh, thank you, Harvey. Appreciate it. Yeah, Harv, have a good one, buddy. You sound great. Yep, no you problem. Sound great. Talk to you later. See ya. Uh, Peter, or yeah, Pete Wisdom and Kitty were. Yeah, it's fun. She's fun. got a thing for guys named Peter. It was cute. <laughs> That's her type. Guys named Pete. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Hey, in the Ultimate Universe, she dated Peter Parker. Boom! The trend continues. That's three Peters. What yeah. the hell? She just really loves Man. a good Peter. Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't care for that. I mean, it was cute oh, the way it. they they wrote it. And stuff. I loved when they. I loved when Bendis brought Kitty into the Ultimate Spider Man. I thought it was funny because the Ultimate X Men book was so bad. At the yeah, time when it he was left. bad. It was really bad. Ugh. Yeah. Yuck. Uh, speaking of bad couples that later on I actually kind of liked as a good couple. Like when it started, everyone was like, what? It was when Storm married the Black Panther. And it was like, oh, All right. I get it. They're black. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. And look. But I'm, there was more to it than that. There wasn't more to it there than that, There was, Matt. dude. No. She's also African. No. She's also, yes. I'm also American. <laughs> no. Find me a rando American to but marry. she was also a princess, and she didn't know it. She found that out later. She, she was wasn't wealthy. a princess. She was worshipped as a god by a tribe. Yeah, that's different. That well, yeah, but they, well, that's royalty. No, I mean, it's not. You know, like the way we worship uh, <laughs> fucking Meghan Markle or whatever. I don't, you know? Nobody worships Meghan. Well. My wife does. I won't say that. <laughs> I don't worship Meghan Markle. Your wife does, too. Yeah. <laughs> But then when, they broke up, and later on, they would like sort of see each other and be like, "Oh, hello, it's you," you yeah. know. And and I kind of liked it <laughs> later on. I always, see. I always like. I was pissed. I was pissed about the Black Panther Storm thing because there was no history there. None. They acted like there was this huge storied romance. No, they appeared together in one or two comics, right? In the eighties, uh, like a flashback to when they met when they were kids, and yeah. that's. It. Yeah. They did not have this decades-long time-lost romance. They did not. 
they Marvel just is like, hey, let's just marry our two most high profile black characters. Period. That's what they did. It was for marketing. Sorry. It's true. And I was also mad because I like Storm and Forge. <laughs> oh, Storm and Forge. I forgot about that relationship. Yeah. That was so great. Yes. Oh, man. I loved those two together so much. Yeah. And, like, where even is Forge now? He was a bad guy for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Warren like, Ellis made him a bad guy for a while. That was dumb. Yeah. I think he's kicking around. Uh, the last time I remember, I remember him being in, like, a starring capacity was when uh, they had that book Colossus and... Um, was it called Colossus and X-Force or something? Huh? It was like an X-Force thing, and it had Colossus and Cable and Forge and Domino. I don't remember this at all. Yeah. It was after Avengers versus X-Men when uh, uh, Colossus was in prison because he'd done some bad things when he was possessed by the Phoenix. Okay. I remember that. I can't remember the name of the book for the life of me. Salvador LaRocca drew it. Huh. Um... Was it called Cable and X-Force? It may have been called Cable and X-Force. Hey, but, nerds, watching. Look this up. Let's figure it yeah. out. Was it, I think it may have been I, called I remember, Cable like, uh, because Cable's, something was wrong with Cable's arm. Like, he had lost the Technovirus or something, and so his bionic arm was all shriveled, and so he had, like, a grabby claw at the end of his bionic arm. Thomas Branch, who is now the official... Thank like, you, Thomas. Our official researcher, Cable and X-Force. Thomas, you've got a job, but Nice, nice, there you nice, go. nice. You don't even have to call in. You already got a job. Uh, Brent Merriman is trying to call, but it keeps going to voicemail. Brent, if the phone line is open, call again. It's wide open. Everybody else is getting through but you. We don't know that. We've had two callers. I, I don't know. Maybe two people called at the same time. That could happen. Oh, but, that might be. But you can leave a voice message, too, and, and we will definitely play it on the show if that happens. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, if you, if you only get the voicemail, leave a message. We will play it. Yeah, I apologize. I'm not sure why that's happening. Um Okay, I know I keep saying I want to talk about the worst couples, but I just thought another couple that I really liked. And it was in the pages, I think it was Mark Wade's JLA. It was when John Jones was trying to get over his, his weakness to fire. Sure, yeah. And he like sort of started hanging out with, what was her name? Uh, Torch? No, not Torch. She was bright red. Torch? She had fire powers. Was it Torch? I don't think that was her name, dude. <laughs> I think it was Torch. Branch, look this up, all right? <laughs> I don't think it was Torch. I can't remember her name, though. But, like, they sort of, like, he came to her and was like... Scorch. Scorch. There it is. And was like, I, I need your help. And she's like, you don't want to hang out with me. I'm bad news. And, and he was like, well, you know, you would be helping me, and I could put in a good word for you. Because she had, like, turned against whatever group she, had working, she was working uh, for. This would have been Joe Kelly's jailing. Joe Kelly, yeah. you're right. Mm -hmm. And so they sort of like started hanging out and she yeah. would like burn him a little bit and he'd be like, ah. Oh, kind <laughs> of like a kinky thing. <laughs> well, he was learning. He was trying to get over it and they sort of like fell in love. And the JLA discovered that and they're like, dude, she is a criminal. And he was like, she's been helping me. And I don't think you know her like I know her. And like in her spirit, she's good and, uh, and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh-huh. She's going to turn around and burn you up and like she's try to murder burn you. burn you on your butt. And she ended up leaving. She was like, I knew your friends would never buy it. They'd never listen to me. And they ended up breaking up because of it. Like, oh, man. Oh, oh man. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a terrible comic book couple. Uh, Hank, Pym, and the Wasp. Give the woman your name, Brett. That's part of the game, okay? Sometimes they say, what's your name? I think this is a new thing that Google has Yeah, because it used to just be Matt yeah. saying, hey, welcome to the phone line. No, but then if you give her your name and we're not on, it'll still be me. Yeah. I don't know why it's doing that. Just do it. It's not going to hurt anything, okay? Give the woman your name. Uh, Hank, Pym, and the Wasp are a terrible couple. They're, I mean, 
And Marvel keeps trying to shove them together. They went a bad way. And it's not something we're ever going to see dealt with. Yeah, in- no. I mean, but they like they did something they to Hank Pym. They started off okay. They were fine. Yes, in the 60s they were fine. But they did something to Hank Pym. They sent him they sent him down a direction that you really can't come back from. They 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 have now eventually uh, come out and said, yeah, like Hank Pym is bipolar. Right, because he beat her. Well, he's, like, he didn't like beat her on the regular, but he snapped and he, and he hit her. I thought they insinuated that there was no, more no, 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 no. In the Ultimates, he was abusive. Yeah, like, in the Ultimates, he was super abusive. Yeah, like he sprayed her with bug spray. Well, yeah, and, shit, and, it was, and he was like, you're always laying eggs in the bed. Like, ah, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who dis? This is Brent Merriman. Brent Merriman, you he finally got over he your fear even, of the nice, like he didn't even have British to give the woman his name. Your, sec- your secretary wouldn't let me through. It was ridiculous. I was yeah. like, I know these guys from we had, way back. We had told her if Brent calls, just you know, like we're not here. <laughs> Tell him we're not He's here. A nice, sweet, gentle gatekeeper. <laughs> ridiculous. What do you want to rap about today, Brent? And nice to talk um, to you again. Literary comic superheroes? Is that what the topic is? Uh, a superhero that you would like to see taught in high school English curriculums. Yes. Probably the most obvious answer would be Batman Year One. Ooh. Just because um, origin a- story for Batman and for um, Jim Gordon told, yeah. you know, parallel stories. And it's actually told in chapters chronologically with the, with the calendar. That's pretty literary stuff, I would imagine. Yeah, could, uh, I like that some answer. Kids had a had a had a nice story and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it's pretty kick-ass. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Batman Year One was one of those first ideas where we went to like, look, this is not the origin story, but this is right before he became the Batman. No, we, we, we get the origin though. We get no, we do. They but show I'm the like, death of the Wayne. The idea stuff. of the story being like, look, this is proto oh, that's true. character. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, this was the really the first one. In that? I don't think we do. Yeah, you're right. I don't think we saw him as a kid. With, or, or did we see him as a yeah, kid? Yeah, I mean, that, I guarantee you that there, the, the pearls on the ground, that's definitely in I Batman. I think they reference it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, reference yeah. on the Even ground. if it's just like a, a, a passing moment where they reference it. Yeah. Um, maybe they don't yeah. dwell on it, but... But I think that was one of those very first, like, year one type stories. Well, he is actually Batman in Batman Year One. I don't remember... I don't know how much we get of him before, like, during his training and stuff. Don't we see him... No, running? it's like they both arrive at time... It's like they both arrive in Gotham at the same time, and kind of, this is the way it... Yeah. So yeah, it's like Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne has come has. home. Yeah, at first we kind of see him in, like, yeah. a ninja costume, though, right? No, no, no. He's not wearing the bat suit yet? Not, no, yeah, not I think... Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's that one where, um, yes, in, uh, oh, where he's got like the stocking cap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like running around in like a straight up ninja costume, basically, at first. And this is before he is like, he has embraced the symbol of the bat and whatnot. I don't think it's a ninja costume. I think he's wearing like all black. He's wearing all black. Yeah, it's like a ski mask and like a ski mask right. stocking cap thing. When I say ninja, gloves. I mean you know what I mean. Come you on. mean a black outfit? Yeah, a generic. <laughs> because all guys dressed in black are ninjas. Yes, <laughs> but not, <laughs> but not all ninjas are guys dressed in black. So do you think uh, this was the first year one and that inspired all the other year ones? Yes. I'm saying it is. Um, have there been any other good year ones? Seems like the nothing that really... Uh, uh, Green Arrow year one by Green Andy Diggle was, was very good. Robin year one was, was excellent. Uh, Robin and Batgirl year one yeah. uh, were both very good. Uh, we don't like to talk about Chuck Dixon too much these days, but Chuck can't Dixon deny that those are not some, good stories. He wrote some of my favorite comics. Yeah. The guy's a great writer and a shitty person. That's I mean, true, that's yeah. just, you got to separate the um, man from the art. But yeah, I would say that uh, though there ha- though there have probably been many like origin stories, that's the first like 
year one. Let's follow the course of a year right. in this character's life. And it spawned a lot of imitators. Right. I mean, there was um, a Daredevil story that was also very similar, but they didn't call uh, it year It was one. called Man Without Fear. Yeah. Uh, which was fantastic. Wonderful. <laughs> Written by Frank Miller with John, uh, with art by John Romita Jr. Another guy we don't it's like to talk about a whole lot. Very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anymore. <laughs> um, Sorry. Then, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but then Batman year they did Batman year two and Batman year three. Yeah. Uh, following that, they don't get a they don't get near enough attention. Alan Davis drew Batman year two. It's beautiful. Uh, it's got a very striking cover where he's holding a gun. They're good, but they're uh, not as well. Yeah, they're good. they're not as good. Yeah, but they're still good. But Batman year one is an excellent choice. I think you're right as far as like coming at a character as big as Batman, and again. Like making him human and stripping him down and showing us like he was a dude. He was a guy like you and me and he made some mistakes and he did some stupid shit before he figured it out. You know, and the way that they set yeah, it up. Yeah, if you were a student, yeah, if you were a high school or college student, you've heard of Batman, but you right. wouldn't know all this other stuff. You're like, oh, wow. And then it's actually treating it like a real person and it's being told through a supporting character. Right. Kind of it's sort of like, what, like if, oh, okay. what if Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver had a better support system, more <laughs> money, and was not crazy? In that way, you know, <laughs> uh, and then in really true, and then in uh, the second year of the class or the second semester, you could uh, teach the widening Geyer, <laughs> where Batman reveals wow. that when he set that explosive at the mob dinner, in he set one. it a little too heavy and he accidentally peed yeah. himself a little. Yep. Because he was scared. He, you know, he hadn't adopted the bat yet, so. No, he was Batman in that scene. <laughs> he was already Batman. Oh, no, you're right. He was when he peed in his pants. He peed in his pants. He yeah. peed in his bat pants. God, it was stupid. I'm sensing you guys should maybe open up a two-headed nerd university. This sounds, uh, it sounds like a money-making oh. oh, we let, did that. It tanked pretty hard. We don't like to talk shape about it. young minds, please. <laughs> they're, still sort of, they're still sorting some of this out in court, so we can't really talk about it. Uh, the records are <laughs> sealed is. until the kids turn 18. Yeah. <laughs> Brett, thank you for your call. It's always good to All talk right. to you, buddy. Later, nerd. Bye, Brett. <laughs> uh, Harvey Locust says, I just skimmed through year one. There is no shot of Bruce as a kid. Okay. I didn't think so. I thought they like there was some memory stuff. He much. does go to visit the tombstone of, tombstones yeah. of his parents. Yeah. But we already know that. We know uh, that. And then he says, yay for Pappy. <laughs> God. Stop it, Damn Harvey. Damn it, Harvey. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right before Brett called, we were talking about... I'm totally drawing. Uh, Hank Pym and the Wasp. Hank Pym and the Wasp. Yeah. yeah so they they went in a direction in the in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. Who wrote uh, that? Roy Thomas. Was it Roy Thomas? Maybe. Yeah, I would think Roy Thomas. Uh, where he had adopted the identity of Yellow Jacket. Right. And he was became, going through a whole thing. It became clear that something was not quite right with him. His personality had changed. Right. And then. Um, and he was Atlas after that, right? He was, was he Giant Man after that? No. No. When was he Giant Man? In the... Like, he was Giant Man... Before like, or after Yellow Jacket? Before. Before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But they used that, like, see how he always had these personalities? He's... Yeah, he's crazy. Well, like, when he became Giant Man, he he's, didn't change personalities. He's he's just bipolar. was like, oh, shit, I can get big. Yeah. Um... But yeah, when he became Yellow Jacket, something happened. Something clearly happened to his mental state. And in a heated moment, he uh, struck Janet. And it, he never really recovered from that, even though they kept trying to redeem him. He also built a robot that tried to take over the world. That and was before that. Janet. Yeah. He yeah. also built another robot that he could have sex with named Joe Casta. 
No, Ultron built Jocasta. Ult- oh, Ultron built Jocasta. Bel- Bel- based on Janet Van Dyne's brain patterns because he wanted to fuck his mom. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Sachs confirms what I said. Roy Thomas wrote the first appearance of Hank Pym as Thank Belichick. you, Jason Thank Sachs, you, Jason. official historian. Uh, give us a call. What are you doing? Not to be confused with Thomas Branch, who is our official researcher. Yes, our researcher. Yeah, yes. yeah our head researcher, Thomas Branch. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I think that they've never really worked as a couple past a certain point in the late sixties Yeah, and they keep trying for nostalgia's sake to like redeem Hank Pym and, and get them back together and it never works out. Right. Um, and now I'm glad that they've finally kind of embraced the idea that Hank Pym has a mental illness and you know, it's, it's something that needs to be dealt with. It's a part of his character. It's not something you're going to deal with in the movies. No, no. Well, I also really like the Hank Pym we have in the movies too. I do too. But yeah. Um, yeah. Jason left us a voicemail. Jason left we'll, us a voicemail. We'll check on that. Uh, he didn't, ha- yeah, he didn't hit, uh, yes, Pim slapped Janet in the 80s. That storyline was written by Jim Shooter. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, no, the Ultron storyline was, was the 70s. They weren't it was the like 60s. That. Like Ultron first appeared in the 60s. Right. <laughs> wanted to fuck his mom. He wanted to fuck his mom. He's like, ah, oh, robot mom. <laughs> well, you know, what can you do? It was a different time, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, not judge. I flagged Jason's voicemail. I've already got it open. Oh, okay. It up. So here we go. Let's see what Jason Sachs, the official THN historian, has for us. Hey, it's Jason Sachs. So I'm calling in to answer the question of the week from Chase Magneto Magnet. Whoa. Um, what comic book should be taught in school? So, um, Here's a few interesting thoughts here because uh, obviously there's a bunch of great indie books like Asterius Paula that I think would be interesting to read in terms of like the way that you approach media and, and consumption of the story. Um, but the uh, choice that I picked is the same one I posted to the fan group the other day, which is Don McGregor's Black Panther, especially Panther's Rage. Dope. So I think it's a perfect book for an English class for its near Shakespearean emotions. It's a uh, smart character building. It's deep world that it creates. Um, there's great stuff in there about sexuality, about romance, about the nature of what it means to be in power. Um, if you rem- I remember high school English, we talked about all the different types of thematic uh, creations you can have in an English story, man versus man, man versus nature, and all that kind of thing. And this book spans so much of that Man's well. and humanity to man. incredibly entertaining. Um, I realize it's a bit wordy, so it might be a little, be, a little bit off-putting for some readers now. But I think that's also like a great topic for conversation for a high school class and stuff. So um, about Panther's Rage, and then you could even continue that with the Panther versus the Klan. And that can get into oh, interesting yeah, conversations yeah. around racism and heroism and the uh, and even some thoughts around how the story could conclude. Uh, so anyway, thanks guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Jason. Is Don McGregor's Black Panther, is it fully printed anywhere? Like, can you pick that up in reprints? I don't know. Because it is so celebrated. Yeah. And, but also like completely underrated, completely underrated. Um, I don't know if it's in print as like a collection, but I also don't think it's super hard to find in back issues. Branch, let me know. Is there a big, sexy hardcover of Don McGregor's Black Panther? I hope so. <laughs> I need that. He doesn't have access to the diamond site. He doesn't need to. He has access to the internet, Joe. Mm. In fact, I would argue the diamond site is really hard to search. It sucks. It's not hard to search if you know what you're doing. Sucks! Uh, yeah, Don McGregor's Black Panther. That's an excellent choice, especially by the time it was coming out. There, was there another black superhero that had a book? Like, starring 
role in a book at the time? Luke Cage. Yeah, but he was with he was with Danny. It would have been Heroes I mean, for but Hire. He was a starring. No, he was I'm the talking star of the book. Solo. I mean, it started. Title. He started in his own book as Luke Cage, and then they became a team up book. I suppose that's true. Uh, Jason said that there is an epic collection with Panther's Rage. Okay. I love the Marvel epic collections. I do too. Uh, there's also a Marvel Masterworks if you want it in fancy hardcover. Man, I don't think you can even find those anymore. Those are probably expensive. They're out of print. No, aren't they? Did they start reprinting Marvel Masterworks again? They keep, Marvel Mas- They keep making Marvel Masterworks. They're not. Well, and anything you you can get all this stuff on Comicsology too. Enough. I'm sure. Speaking of yeah, but I don't want kind of I want a big sexy hardcover. You know. Speaking of uh, bad couples, I just saw my friend Chaz Barnett joined, and one of his favorite characters is the Joker. Yeah. Let's talk about Joker and Harley. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me tell you. Uh, Let's get into it. When I was doing research for our segment on the main show, uh, just doing a quick refresher Google search about comic book couples. Right. Uh, a distressing number of top 10 lists included Harley Quinn and the Joker. Right. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not going to say that, like, they are a functional couple or a couple we should look to for relationship advice, of course. I'm not going to say that at all. But there was something about their villainous love and how screwed up it was. No. And how awful it was. No. It was like the other side of the coin. Again, I'm not saying successful or healthy or anything like that, but it should be madness. I also don't want to see a story where the Joker is very receptive to Harley's needs, and Harley understands that the Joker has his own ego issues, and and they work through it together, and they have a nice breakfast. No, no, of course. It's supposed to be tumultuous and violent and awful. They are crazy people. They are murderers. (laughs) It's not just that. It's that it's an abusive relationship, and that's not a good relationship. That's not a... I'm not saying it is. Yeah. I'm not saying that is a good relationship. Like, Harley is a victim in this relationship. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, he... She started off as a psychologist that was talking to the Joker and trying to figure him out, and he slowly turned her into, like, a wacky cartoon character from the 40s, I guess. I'm just thinking back to Batman, the animated series, which I love with all of my heart. Brett Merriman's uh, wife thought that the Joker and Harley Quinn was the best part of the Suicide Squad. <sighs> I'm sure your wife is a nice person, but man, you got to talk to her. Divorce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, I, I think back to the Batman animated series and how they portrayed the Joker and Harley relationship and the alarming number of times that like she shows up in a negligee in a children's cartoon trying to like woo the Joker. Mr. J! Who I have always maintained is a sexless being. I don't believe that the Joker has any concerns with physical needs. It's plain hard to get, baby. You know? No, I don't think it's hard to get. But that's why she wanted him so bad. I think the Joker is not driven by primal urges. No. She knew she could never have him. Yuck. Yuck. In her heart of hearts. Paul Dini is a pervert. Well, Paul Dini is a bit of a pervert. Yeah, it's true. If you go to his site, there's a lot of, like, naked people there. (laughs) He drew. But whatever. It's still great. And I don't have a problem with it. Chase know? Magnet, the time is now. Yeah, call in. Let's hear your answer, Hetty Chase Magnet. A bunch of you have called in with answers that were not superhero related, and that's fine, but we have plenty of those. We're looking for superhero well, comics. I think only BS3, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some people posted about it. That's so. true. Uh, comic, superhero comics that can be taught in high school English curriculum. Yep. I know my answer, and I really like it, and I'm proud of it. That's a good one. Oh. We'll get there in a little bit. Wow. But Chase, we would definitely love to hear from you. Uh, the ringer is on. Give us a call. In the meantime, we're talking about worst relationships. We talked about best couples. 
in comics on the regular show that'll be out Wednesday. We're also talking about the worst relationships and worst couples. I would argue Thanos and <laughs> Hooded Lady Death. He really loves her. He loves the hell out of her. Why? Because it's one thing know. to say Thanos worships death and he wants to fix the universe, which they did in the new movie and made a lot more sense. There's too many of us, right? So we, we were going to cut the universe in half. See, I don't like that because we'll it be makes better. Thanos, it makes it th- seem like Thanos may have a point, <laughs> which he, he does have a point. That's what makes him so interesting. Uh, but like in the comics, it's like, no, Thanos is in love Chase, with you can, you can death. Click the call now button on our Facebook page. <laughs> you don't even need the number, but it's 402. Eight one nine four eight nine four. But Jim Starlin had Thanos full on pining for a woman. Did she have like she only had a skull face, right? She had like uh, sometimes she appeared as a woman, uh, but she always had a skull face, didn't she? Other times she looked like a Grim Reaper. Yeah. Okay, and he was just like, "Oh, baby, I want to fuck that Grim Reaper. I gotta get in on that girl." <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, "I'm not just gonna start a fight and kick some ass for you. I'm gonna kill half the universe to impress you, girl." Yeah, which is like. That is so cheap and stupid. Well, and the thing about the Thanos death relationship is that it was one sided because she had no time for him. She also didn't talk. Uh, <laughs> not if she didn't want to. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? This is Chase Magnet. Chase Magnet. We have a button. It says call now. You can just push it. You don't even have to know any numbers. Uh, I don't know. I don't like technology. This is why I'm an English teacher. <laughs> All right, there fair you go. enough. So you came up with a question. Let's hear your answer. So one of the reasons I wanted to ask this was looking ahead to future curriculum because I already have my answer for this semester. Okay. I'm getting a little bit of funding from the university to buy a classroom set and I'm planning to use it for DC, the new frontier. Ooh, that's a really good one. Very good. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great choice. It just touches on so much great, like McCarthyism and like, oh, fake news and all this crap. And like, oh man, that's a great one. Yeah. Digging into uh, Darwin Cook's annotations, um, it's even it's like it's more purposeful in the era than like I originally read it as being because he specifically traces like characters in their history within like comics and when they first appeared and yeah. who would have been around when everything from the challengers up to like minor villains like Captain Cold. Mm-hmm. And on top of all that, it's tying into everything exactly right up to 1960, right up to the election of Kennedy and all these people that are going to be needed in order to confront these massive challenges of the 1960s. Yeah. And all that connects in a way where last semester we were teaching the autobiography of Malcolm X. And the only thing I kept pointing out was we aren't reading this because it's about the 1960s. We're reading it because it's about today and rereading the new frontier. It's a book that's about 2019 as much as it is. Oh yeah. The late 1950s. Completely timeless, completely timeless. It's perfect. Well, and relevant, like still relevant in its themes. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Boy, that's such a good answer. If you have not read the DC's new frontier, go out and pick up DC's new frontier. It is Excellent. It's been reprinted a number of times in yeah. a number of different formats. It should still be, a, be available. Okay, so what's the plan yeah, for, the, for next time? What's the next one? After that, uh, I think, honestly, it starts to thin a lot on grade level. One thing I like about The New Frontier is that it's something that I think I can teach to freshmen and seniors. You just take different approaches on it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I have, a, I have a, if we're only stop talking superhero comics, I have a real soft spot in my heart for All-Star Superman. Um, Yes. Watchmen I've done with uh, IB, and I would be willing to do with AP Kids. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it just depends on, like, what exact grade level you're teaching to and, like, what the formatting is. But New Frontier is one I'd like to get approved and, like, may actually make part of the curriculum outside of, like, a comic-specific course. Right. Easier to get approved than Watchmen, too, because there's a lot less blue dicks in it. So 
Well, I, oddly <laughs> enough, Washington's already being taught uh, out for like, like I said, like the the kids who are going for college credit in Millard. So, oh, really? Oh, nice. When, a- when, when you make the Times like best tender novels of a century list, like you tend to get a few parents on board at least. That's fair. That's fair. Watchmen, another story that is also completely relevant today. Well, and, yeah. now, and nowadays that uh, parents that have kids old enough to be teaching, uh, reading Watchmen in high school were probably that age when Watchmen came out. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. It'd be, it would have been a lot different 10, asked, 15 years ago, probably. Right. right. And one of the reasons I asked for superhero comics was specifically because we, we do have comics in schools right now, but it's always like the same few. Like, right. I love Mouse and I love Persepolis and American Born Chinese, but they sort of become go-tos for both research and sure. for what's actually being like bought by schools. Totally. Yep. And it feels like we've sort of buttonholed ourselves into being like, well, if it's written about history, then we can teach it, but anything else might be too far. And so part of what I'm trying to do is go in the exact opposite direction where I'm like, you all think superheroes are silly. Well, let's, let's open that up. Let's yes. bring that into the conversation so totally. that then we can talk about all comics. Totally. That's it. That's, and there's like an even deeper discussion there because like all those books that you mentioned are always referred to as graphic novels as well. They're not referred to as comics because comics yeah. are silly and they're childish and they're yeah, full of yeah. spandex superheroes. I mean, whatever, it, whatever it takes for the normals to right. uh, go for it. I'm and like, I love the fine. idea of bringing comics, straight up comics into the curriculum and saying, no, there is real art here. There are real lessons to be learned. This is still relevant today. And it was written... 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Maybe, you know? maybe Bill Maher should take your class. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Bill Maher could sit down and learn something from you. Asshole. God. Chase, always good to hear from you, man. And uh, we're going to give you some suggestions in a little bit here. I think you'll like them. Yeah, I'm Matt, looking forward to listening to all Matt's, this episode. Matt's very proud of I'm his answer, of so I'm really looking forward to whatever I think it's it good. is. I think it's good. He just did a little dance. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Chase, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Have a good weekend. Bye, Chase. Okay, somebody else was trying to call in, and, and I cut you off. So the phone line is open. You can call me back now. Uh, All-Star Superman was Thomas Branch's pick. So the dude knows what's up. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Uh, Thomas, I don't know if you've been following our rapid-fire banter, but uh, we have deemed you the official, uh, the head THN researcher. Yeah, head of THN research and development, R&D. Well, not R&D. That's different. Uh, not to me, it's not. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. So that means he's, like, inventing things. Fine. That sounds even better. Okay. He's ahead of R&D. There All right. We well, there you have it. <laughs> All right. There we go. Who dis? Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who dis? Good morning, gentlemen. David Robbins calling. David Robbins. Hey. How are you, sir? Tweedly deedly deet. Tweedly deet indeed. What do you want to rap about today? Uh, calling it with the question of the week. Hit us. All right. So obviously you have the... The obvious choices that uh, you guys and Chase have already discussed, uh, Watchmen, things like that. Um, you could go the route of, you know, with the world that we have today of something like Judge Dredd or, you know, something like that, Tank Girl maybe. Yeah. But uh, my, uh, my, my pick actually is kind of thinking outside the box. You're talking about uh, a, a high school literature class. Maybe uh, teaching the students a little bit of a writing aspect and how to look at things from a different character's perspective and do the, uh, the one chapter out of the Tales of the Lanterns with uh, Dexter, the saddest kitty in the world. Oh, <laughs> I love Dexter. <laughs> and, uh, he vomits blood on you. He's evil. But, but maybe, maybe that, you know, show, teaching that just couple of page thing of this is what you can do in an extremely short amount of time. Yeah. 
by looking at a character that might be overlooked and looking at the story from a completely different perspective. No, I love it. Yeah. Kind of like a a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead kind of thing. That's exactly what I was going to say next. Yes, that's Yeah, looking at it from the characters that, you know, are in the background that nobody pays attention to, but everybody in the story has a story. Right. Absolutely. You know, you don't treat characters as throwaways. Everyone in that character, in that story has a reason to be there and has a story to tell along those same lines, the, uh, Marvels, the, the, uh, yeah. Mark Wade and, um, why Alex Ross. Thank you. Alex Ross Marvels, which was like the story yeah. of the people that like lived in the neighborhood. It was when silver surfer fought. Zazax, it was told, you know, from or, the perspective of one man who right. was, uh, a reporter for the daily bugle and he was chronicling the, dawn of the super heroic right and it was like how you and i would see this stuff if it was going on if the hulk and thor fought in our neighborhood and like yeah i remember a building fell on that kid and he could never walk again you know or something i mean Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. something similar to that uh the pulse that miniseries that marvel threw out um Uh, the jessica jones miniseries yeah Mm -hmm. where it was just the reporters yes it was like, this is the ground line people looking at everything else that's happening in the world around them, the gods that are doing all this. And the, these are the people that are seeing it happen. Yeah, totally. there, uh, there are a lot of, there are a lot of different examples of things like that, that have had varying success. There was a, 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 a series in the early two thousands called deadline yeah. from Marvel. That mm-hmm. was about a daily bugle reporter. That was um, great. Switching gears, GCPD, which is about the Gotham, uh, Gotham Central. Gotham Central, oh, yeah. Gotham Central, um, absolutely. Where we got to see the cops, how like the cops on the street deal with this shit when Batman yeah. fucks up what should be a perfectly good arrest. You know, like, I yep. mean, sure, Batman came and beat the guy up and tied him up, but we can't take him to court now because it's like Harvey Bullock is like, this is bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really cool. That's a great idea. I love the idea that in the Marvel Universe, superheroes can testify in court. I hate that. I oh, no, I love that. It's so stupid. No, so great. It's so stupid. Why? It's so dumb. Because you'll be like, oh, we call Matt Bomb to the witness stand. I'd be like, Matt Bomb is not here, but wrestling star Ultimate Maniac No, it's is. not. And I have they, a mask on or some no, stupid they, shit. They call, you know, like, they call Spider-Man to the stand, and they dumb. have technology. Dumb. How do they we have, know it's Spider-Man? They have technology to verify that what his identity- technology? It's the Marvel Universe, okay. you dumbass. We have technology. So, he, so the court has technology to verify who Spider-Man is, but LMD can walk around for years in the Fantastic well, they Four. Haven't been, they haven't been Reed Richards Matt, of the Fantastic Four. They haven't been out. scanned by the... <laughs> yes. Device. David. Matt, the, so the Avengers are card-carrying, essentially deputized... Yes, thank uh, you. Yeah, heroes, right? I agree, I agree. So if, if, they, are, if they are card-carrying deputies then they are office they can be considered officers of the court sure and because they are they have that if by some reason somebody like spider-man who is an avenger who is card carrying is abducted and somebody takes the place of spider-man now you have a plot line for a a, a miniseries you do but here's my problem with what you just said yes they are they are definitely agents of law in the United States. We know that Captain America is Steve Rogers. We know that Iron Man is Tony. We know they're people. And when they get up on the stand, Steve Rogers says, I, Steve Rogers, do swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing with it. He doesn't, they don't get up on the stand and be like, I daredevil, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing. I'm sorry, who are you? I'm daredevil. Matt, but I just told you. I told you. It's It's not stupid. Listen, Dan Slott's She-Hulk addressed this. 
Like, how can superheroes, how can masked vigilantes capture criminals and not have every case thrown out? They dealt with this. Dan Slott came up with a reason why. It's because Reed Richards or Tony Stark or whoever provided the courts with a device that they can use to verify the identity of a hero that testifies in a court case. I'm telling you, this was post-Secret War? When the scrolls replaced everybody and nobody knew anything. Secret invasion. This Pardon is me, before secret invasion. Secret invasion. <laughs> okay. And they so didn't, and invasion they didn't replace everybody. And not every hero <laughs> is testifying in court. You, it's like, oh no, what if one guy happens to slip through the saying, cracks? It's stupid because it only works stupid. when we it's need great. it to work and we write about it. That's the only time it works. Well, that's everything. I mean, how that's many, everything in comics, <laughs> you idiot. How many times? How many times do the actual masked, not known heroes testify? The majority of the time, you have the people testifying. You have. Steve, right. Tony, yeah, uh, right. Pim, Reed Richards. And I'm fine uh, if you put uh, them Storm. on the stand. I'm fine with that. When you right. put Daredevil on the stand, that's stupid. That's just dumb. For the, for the handful of other times where it's yes, Daredevil, on the stand. <laughs> we, we verify that it's Daredevil, and if suddenly Daredevil busts in the room and there's another Daredevil on the stand, well, now you have a plot point for a story. And we, I, have, I think that's, and we seriously have to look at the verification machine, too, because there's a problem yeah, there, obviously. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But then, then you could lead that into an entire uh, year-long event where – all of the people who had heroes testify against them, all of their cases yeah. come up on appeal because the thing was, was thrown out. Thrown so out. that leads into a, that could lead into a, 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 a non crossover event event, oh, which, bam. which could be fun. Bring it all back around. Bring it all back around, David. You did it. Absolutely. The whole thing should take place in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Like give me, give me a she Hulk, give me a she Hulk 12 issue maxi series where right. a bunch of super villains, uh, a bunch of supervillain convictions are threatening to be overturned because like, of the scroll invasion. One lawyer wins a case. One yeah, lawyer wins yeah, a case. Absolutely. And then all these other shitty lawyers for the wizard and the toy sure. maker and whoever. Sandman, Pace what Pot, have you. Pete, yeah, 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 they're like, hold yeah. on here. <laughs> yeah, listen. You get, you get one, one D-list one lawyer right. wins his case getting the trapster out of out of Yeah, jail. like right. he just lucks and, into and, it. And be like, oh, that, Peter, oh, Spider-Man testified against him? I'm sorry, who's Spider-Man? Yeah. Anybody, anyone? We have the verification <laughs> yeah. machine. Yeah. And how well did that work when there were four Spider-Man running around? We just There's had, only one Spider-Man. There was There's a Peter you Parker. Can't, you can't have in a court of law. How do we go, know, Your Honor? How do we know? The machine. The, we had an event with the, spider the, people the, from all over the universe. Spider women, spider girls, spider pigs. How can we know this is the actual Spider-Man? Well, hey, maybe you should you, be a lawyer in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> You don't even go that far. You go back to a noticeable difference in personality for Peter Parker's Spider Man when he was actually Otto. When he was oh Doc shit, right, right. On. Or and perhaps you just, all you do is go back to there where it's well, Your Honor. At this point, this is clearly not the same individual uh, who Spider Man. Yeah, before uh, this Your time Honor. And I just this time. Uh, I just like to submit Exhibit A for uh, the court's pleasure. Uh, this is a video recording of Spider-Man facing off against Stiltman where he actually yells the phrase, the die is cast. <laughs> uh, I rest my case. <laughs> Two words, Your Honor. I think, Clone saga. I, I think this, is, this is absolutely... I think, I think we just wrote... A great 12 issue. Oh uh, man, it writes itself. He did it. It writes itself. Wow, we it, just it need to get an artist on board. You just, and you just I, I think this is going to be a great story. They just cut to zero, like heroes having breakfast, going like, oh shit. <laughs> like watching the news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, all right. We've got to get our answers out of here so that we can finish the All show. right, David. David, all right. This was a very productive meeting. That was great. 
and we should address this again in the future. You riled our shit up. That was great. Thank you, David. Have a good one. You're very welcome. Take care, guys. Bye, David. Okay. All right. Give me your give me your the very line is off. proud answer. I have two. One is Batman related. Uh-huh. The long Halloween. Okay. I like the long Halloween because it is a long form story told to the background of different holidays using different characters as sort of pastiche pieces in the past as well as sort of these pastiche characters leading to a larger mystery. And not only does it show like Batman and his detective skills, whatnot, it also shows Batman making the same mistake over and over again, thinking he has solved the crime, getting ahead of himself, his ego as a super, not just a, Superhuman, well, he's not superhuman, but not just as a superhero, but as a detective, getting in the way. He keeps coming after. He he thinks it's the Calendar Man. He thinks it's the Riddler. He thinks, you know, it's every one of his villains, and they're all just like, "Look, I am more than happy to do this dance with you, but I don't know what you're talking about." And in the end, he finds out it is the simplest thing in the world, and it's exactly what he thought it was to begin with. And he led himself on this giant chase, and it's just the folly of ego and one. Oh, I think it's an Excellent storyline to teach. Not to mention the fact, like, Tim Sale's art alone, just as far as visual storytelling, you brought in this super stripped-down version of Batman during a time where Batman was being drawn very Jim Lee-esque and very detailed and very heavily. This uh, Long Halloween started in the mid to late 90s, yeah. 96, 97. Yeah. Uh, so right around that time, Graham Nolan was yeah. still drawing Detective I Comics. I love Graham Nolan. Um, I don't remember who was drawing Batman. Kelly Jones, maybe. I think it would have been Kelly Jones. Yeah. yeah. Real heavy. Real different. Gigantic real different ears style, and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I would love that. Second one, Alan Moore's Top Ten. Oh, yeah. Good. Just as a look at, like, here is a man that is taking every part of pop culture comics and crushing them into one universe and we're just going to go through and go where does that character come from 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 not to mention that but like he had all the mythology crushed in there as well like one of my favorite storylines was like they went to the norse bar to figure out who killed loki yeah they they kept dying and and, and they were like everybody hates everybody they're literally all suspects right (laughs) yeah like norse mythology is full of a bunch of assholes and at its core it is Odin's a jerk. Thor's an idiot. Loki's a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was that great issue towards the back half of the run where that um, cosmic uh, being like manifests on Earth. Yeah. But he like phases into the ground. And so they just have to like sit with him until he dies. Yeah. Uh, shit. (laughs) That that's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I mean, top 10. Yeah. Top 10 is great. It's got a lot of good themes. Um, it, uh, it touches on a lot of like, um, you know, what is humanity? Right. Uh, or, or, or like identity, like Mm -hmm. here's a, here is a sentient robot, uh, who is joining the force after a beloved partner is brutally murdered. Right. Uh, and so not only is he like replacing this this loved figure, but he's also a robot. Right. And so uh, there's that whole identity struggle. Well, and then One of the main Caesar. characters is a dog. Yeah, it's like uh, the sergeant. Kemlo, the hyper dog. It's like a dog that wears, he wears a, a man suit. That makes him stand up, and like at the end of the day, he's like, oh, gets out and yeah, walks yeah. in, he's just a dog. <laughs> right, he's just a regular ass dog. Uh, 
Um, yeah. But like I, you have a whole city that's just full. There are no normal people. Everyone there is a super person or a god or a, a sentient robot. Yeah. And like, how do we make, how does this become a lens to look at humanity through? And all the themes, they're all very simple. They're all there. It's murder. It's its superhero stuff. It's super villains. But then we get into why they do what they do and who they are. And some of them just, like, can't help it. This is just what I do. You know? And, oh, man. It would be a wonderful book to teach. What's your answer? I love it. Uh, real quick, we've got a couple of new answers from the chat. Uh, BS3 just got back from the library. I messed up with my call uh, by recommending a book to comic adaptation. He admits it. Good. No, he still doesn't get it right. His real pick is Ex Essex County. See, now we still have to it's, hit him. It's not a superhero book. Why do you make us hit you? But Essex County <laughs> is very good. By it, is Jeff very Lanier, good. Yeah. it is very uh, good. Patrick Kavanaugh says, my answer is Infinity Gauntlet. No. <laughs> uh, it is an example of comics in their purest form. Crazy heroes, crazy events, crossovers, huge consequences on the line, and when they occur, everything is reversed like nothing ever happened. Uh, I would make the same argument for Crisis on Infinite Earths, if True. that's what we're doing, except yeah. that things did not get reversed. Crisis had a permanent impact on the DC universe. Yeah. Um, I don't know you could put out of those books in front of like no, I, students that have never read comics I don't, and be I, like, I what also, do you think? I also like, don't know that there are any like <laughs> educational themes to right. be drawn from like, them. Um, my answer is Starman. We touched on it earlier when, when Jimmy called in. Um, Starman is very basically described as a superhero comic, but it's so much more than that. It is, uh, it, it is literary in its telling. Right. Um, it, it's, it's masterfully narrated in many issues. Right. And it's, it's a character um, piece. You see this character growing through the whole book, starting off saying, no, I don't want to do this. I don't mm -hmm. want to be a part of this. He gently embraces it. He realizes how difficult the job actually is. Right. And starts to admire, it, like, his ridiculous father and his dumb outfit back in the day. Sure. And his brother that tried to do the same thing. You know? it, it's, um, I would argue that it is. it has a Shakespearean feel to it in the sense that, yes. like, it's, it, it's got a, it deals with a lot of the weight uh, involved in dealing with familial familial relationships. It's all about like legacy and history mm -hmm. and the relationship between fathers and sons and brothers and uh, even friends, like unlikely friends right. uh, in the sense that Jack becomes best friends with the shade who is a supervillain. Yeah. Um, it bends genres. There are horror stories. There are cosmic space adventures. Yeah. Uh, there are great operatic uh, like Rome is burning. Like the the last major storyline is literally named after like operatic movements. Right. Um, the storyline with the shade and the old uh, it was the Flash, right? The first Flash. Oh, uh, Jay Garrick, wasn't it? Jay, wasn't it him and Jay Garrick that used to feud? Well, he was a Flash villain, and then and then Jay Garrick was replaced by. Wally and or by Barry and the shade was just like who is this guy I I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't want to fight with um, this guy I think like I don't can... enjoy the dance anymore like they just he he gen genuinely loved you know the character of Jay Garrick and was like I I'm not trying to kill you like I love this dance that we do like I sure. see you as uh, a friend and Jay Garrick was like curse you shade sure I'm gonna run like, real fast with my James dumb Robinson's <laughs> James Robinson's version of the shade James Robinson did not create the shade no but I would argue that he did make the shade yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because he took a character that was like a golden age nobody right who was just like a mustache twirling cackling bank robber yeah uh, and made him into the one of the most complex characters in comics not a true villain just like a 
a bored immortal. Right. Who was just like, I got to do something to pass the time. Mm -hmm. I might as well go mess with this jerk. Right. In Keystone City or whatever. Um, uh, And I love his friendship with Jack. Um, And just the whole book is is its examination of of history and what it means to be part of a legacy, whether you want to be or not. And how, like, the smallest decisions we make can affect very, very large things. Uh, It touches with, like, mental illness. Mm -hmm. Like, Jack's father has a nervous breakdown uh, due to his involvement in creating the atom bomb uh, in the 40s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's so good. It's such a complex... uh, it would be a tough one to teach, though, because it is very long. You'd have to pick, like... Yeah, I think that you could... You'd have to pick could, a couple storylines. I think it would depend on how long the class is, like if it's a, a full year. Right. Um, but, but, I, I mean, mean, it is 80 issues as a haul. Teaching is really easy. It's a cake job, so we could probably <laughs> do it. No we could problem. probably burn through it in a couple yeah. weeks. Give me a break. <laughs> but, yeah, I just think it's, it's one of the most... Um, thematically complex superhero stories I have ever read. Definitely. Uh, And just even in the telling of it, it could have been about anything, uh, but I think the way that James Robinson tells the story is very literary. Oh, no, without a doubt. I mean, you could just look at it from this one character and how each theme affected him and carried him through it. And because the themes are very basic, I mean, truly, but it's, it's looking at how this character deals with each theme as the book goes and he gets older and he changes who he is. He ages in the book. Right. And sometimes he gets better at what he's doing. And sometimes it's not so great what he does, you know? Uh, And it's also a great, like it's a, it's a great, um, you know, hero's journey kind of Mm -hmm. examination because he goes on this, this crazy ride where it's like, Starman is stupid. Well, I guess I'm Starman to, oh man, I am Starman to, maybe it's time to not be Starman. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a, a complete, it's just like a complete journey of this guy's path through this life. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Starman, definitely. It's a good answer. Uh, Patrick has more to say. He says, for Valentine's Day, Kitty and Peter are still the best. Yep. Look, dudes, we've all seen the videos. Things are different in Russia. It's true. It's a different time. <laughs> Uh, he also said regarding the Infinity Gauntlet, there's plenty to be learned about the nature of comics, which is true. Different class. Aura would, Aura would have my back, which is class. also true. Yeah, it's a different class. He said if Adam Warlock shows up, probably don't need to be teaching it to normal people. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Joe Patrick, give me a new question of the week for these jerks, will you? All right, this week's question comes from Trevor via the THN forums, but I'm going to put my own spin on it. Okay. Hey, nerds, reading is fundamental, so let's get literary. We just did. There are currently a whole slew of films and TV shows based on popular book series, Amazon's Lord of the Rings and the Wheel of Time shows, uh, Villeneuve's Dune, uh, any possible Stephen King book Hollywood can get their paws on, etc. Sci-fi's Night Flyers. Sure. But it's really good. there can always be more. What book or book series would you want to see adapted or readapted that's not already in the works? Now, here's a Joe Patrick spin. What book or book series would you want to be adapted to comics? Okay. I'm going to go there. He's talking in more general, like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. do you want to see adapted to film or television? Yeah. Which, and you want to answer that, that's fine. But I'm, I'm asking, what book or book series would you like to see adapted to comics? And that's tough. It's really tough. I got an answer. Everybody right. loved Game of Thrones, and they started printing Game of Thrones comics, and we went, yawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, if they had been based more on the HBO show and not the books, maybe people would have I suppose. gone for them a little more. Uh, thanks so much. Everybody really called in. Good times today. We'll have uh, our show coming out on Wednesday where we're going to finish our top five best couples in comics. I'm excited about that one. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. We'll see you next week. Right now, this is Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Bye, guys. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>